welcome to the Anxious in Austin podcast. Yeah, welcome. Thanks for listening to us slash watching us. Yes. Thanks for showing up. Um, I am Dr. Marianne Stout with the Anxiety Treatment Center of Austin. Yeah, and, and I'm Dr. Thomas Smithyman. And of myself. Yes. Of yourself. Um, formerly of the Anxiety Treatment Center of Austin. Yes. Um, and we were trying to brainstorm and sift through all of the fan mail and decide. Uh, yeah, topics. which of those topics should we talk about from all those requests? Um, and you had the brilliant idea of kind of circling back and doing something that a fresh take on something that is a classic for us, uh, doing exposure, like our yeah. thoughts. I mean, I was just, uh, I was thinking we, I remember we did really early on, yeah. we did, we, we did one on like cognitive interventions, but I couldn't remember us doing one on like basic exposure, right? We've never done an exposure? We've one? never done exposure. That's what I thought. I think because we brought it up a few times. We and, talk about exposure in every single podcast. How well, we can't, we kind of have to, right? But we've never done one that's directly on it. I think maybe because it was just, it seemed too basic and we wanted to do kind of no, more novel, interesting things for us. But that's why I'm like, yeah, probably, I, I believe three years in, it is time for us to, oh to do one on exposure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I did zero research for this one, but I feel like maybe historically you've done some research. Well, and because it's like such you a know some stuff about exposure. So, but yeah, because this is like so much of our every single day lives. Like yes. I think about exposure every single day. <laughs> yeah. Um. So exposure. I wish I had my little handout I give to clients. Yeah. Walk us through your handout. Since uh, for people listening on the podcast, a handout wouldn't help them anyway. So yeah, um, I should like think back. So it talks about like how exposure is uh, basically thinking in like learning theory terms. It's causing wanting an extinction of a response. Um, and so, right, the basic premise is of fears or what we call like leaning into anxiety it's used for anxiety at uh, phobias ptsd ocd gad let's not forget social anxiety social anxiety <laughs> um uh -huh. kind of like see the handout yeah. uh so i mean it talks about it as though like there's a learned thing that you're afraid of like it gives you example if you get in a car accident you like mm -hmm. learn to be afraid of something mm -hmm. which is all well and good but some of the things i you don't it's not that that clean right like yeah it, you can't point to oh here's where i learned yeah to be afraid of this thing yes or like a panic attack often is just like scary in and of itself yeah i guess you learned to be afraid of the panic attack after having a first panic attack but um mm -hmm. And like OCD, right? Like it, there's like intrusive thoughts. And so it's not like you necessarily were in a situation and you learn to be afraid of it. But anywho, yeah. it talks about like, okay, you could take like memory, for example, mm -hmm. say you got in a car accident, you learned to be afraid and you associated then driving with, with this feared outcome. 
Um, so exposure would mean starting to drive or doing driving related things and having a different response, um, seeing that it's safe, or at least that even if it's not super safe, it's something you can cope with. Mm-hmm. And the more that you do these exposures or face it, then you start to kind of crowd out that feared memory of the car accident. And it's easier totally. all the safer memories that you've created. Yeah. Um, and that we often work in like a, a graded exposure, like doing hierarchies, um, starting small and working your way up. Yeah. That's basically what it says in this handout. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I think the kind of important stuff from that, uh, I mean, in my mind, right, you are you're sort of emotional brain. You have a, a fear of if I encounter something or I go to a certain situation or I do a certain activity, you have this um, emotional feared prediction of something that's going to go terribly wrong. And as a result, of course, you, yeah, you avoid it. Avoid. Yeah, you avoid it, you escape, you try to prevent this terrible outcome from happening. And um, that, yeah, that belief is what kind of keeps the anxiety going. And avoiding and escaping means that you, you keep reinforcing, you still believe yeah, that this must be dangerous because you keep avoiding it, you haven't seen any alternative. And so... Um, I think in nerd terms, I believe uh, inhibitory learning, isn't it in- inhibitory learning theory is this idea of, uh, like, not that it's extinction, right? Because this is, this is maybe getting a little bit nerdy, but it's not that you're extinguishing um, a belief, it's that you're inhibiting it by building up a new belief. So where the previous belief is feared outcome, like a danger, I have this danger belief. I believe that facing this situation will lead to danger. You face it enough times and have non-danger happen, like if safety occurs, mm-hmm. that you then build up an alternative theory that it's actually safe. And you do it enough times, collect enough evidence that that alternative theory becomes more convincing over time, emotionally. Sure. And I think that, yeah, the important piece of that too is like the emotional piece of it because you might know logically. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like it's totally safe or it's completely fine. Um, and, but, right, emotional brain is like, uh huh, show me, show me, show me, show me, and show me a whole bunch of times because totally. I, yeah. That all sounds well and good, but I can't really trust it if I haven't experienced it. And totally. And, yeah. And then I think when like people often ask, like, well, why am I afraid of this when I know that it is not going to happen? Well, sometimes rational brain, you don't really know what's going to happen because you've avoided it so much. But even if you know it's not actually dangerous, still the emotional part of the brain, a different part of the brain is, is the part that is seeing the danger and seeing the threat. And it has this underlying fear, right? So one of the first things we do, when we're looking at exposures, already when we're treating anxiety at all, right, is we're trying to identify what is the feared outcome. To turn this on a bit. Yeah. So like. Right. Like, I always think of this like working on externalizing the thought, um, yeah. because when it is just in in your emotional brain, right, it it's hard to articulate. It's hard to like have perspective and see it for what it is. And yeah. that work and like starting to externalize it 
right? Doesn't make it so all of a sudden like, oh, I'm not scared of this anymore, but it starts mm -hmm. to get, getting that more rational brain online and you get, start to get a little perspective. And people often say to me like, I know this sounds crazy or I know this sounds silly, but this is what I'm afraid of. And I always think of like, totally. until we did that, until we started to identify it and externalize mm -hmm. it, it did not sound crazy or silly. It just felt true. It felt, and I think that that's the key, right? Like it, you feel this fear. And that's why I think identifying that exact feared outcome, it's taking it from this blurry feeling of fear. Amorphous. And I should just, yeah, I need to escape. I'll just get away from it. But when you actually have to translate it into English, in our cases, you translate it into English, then it's like, well, I guess what I'm afraid of happening is this thing. Yeah, and they have that. That doesn't really sound right, but that's still what the emotional brain is uh, predicting. And once we have that prediction, then we can start to figure out, well, what exposures could we do that mm -hmm. are testing out that, um, that negative expectancy, that feared outcome. Okay, this thought just came to me, but it's kind yeah. of like in like campy horror movies, right? Uh -huh. yeah. When you don't see, or like in Jaws, when you didn't see the shark, yeah, it's way scarier yeah. than when you actually identify what the threat is. You know, when you see the shark, I mean, it's still yeah. like scary and everything, but it's also like, oh, that like that's not a real shark or like, that's just a person or like that's a person totally. in a mask. I mean, you're still afraid, right? You still have or when you like see the aliens in like, exactly. you know, I, I know that's actually something that is in like um, that ear, that kind of movie. It's actually in movie theory for that kind of movie is how long can you go without actually showing you mm -hmm. the creature? Because it, you're right. It starts to kill the yeah. effect once you actually see it because the the unknown version of it is actually harder than when you've identified it. Yes. Like you yeah. watch Stranger Things. I haven't watched that. Well, the, I'm. Are you, <laughs> hang on, hang on. Let's, let's pause here. Are you about to do some sort of spoiler for me and everybody else who's listening? So, so a uh, note, note to audience. Uh, I've, I've, I've asked Marianne okay. to wear a spoiler alert t-shirt whenever she talks Fine. about anything. Fine. I won't, I won't, never mind. Let's pick a different topic. Okay. It's so, not a spoiler, but it probably is a little bit of a spoiler. Okay. Yeah. Things that you think I'm are not spoilers say, are spoilers. Yes. Being a monster is less scary than not. Yeah. Scary. Totally. Yeah. And, and so for us, yeah, that, that process of identifying it alone uh, drops anxiety. You can say, well, I what I'm exactly afraid of is that I'm going to go into the situation, this will go wrong, and people will respond in this way or whatever it is identifying the exact details yeah that robs it of some anxiety and that gives us our path to how we're going to do an exposure mm -hmm. to to basically to test it out because we yeah. really want to find that the outcome is different than the fear expectation the fear predictions right mm -hmm. um and we also know uh that it's just inevitably going to be that it's just because yeah. our brains are built that way. We're built yes. to overestimate. Anxiety is a terrible predictor of outcomes. And even when it does, like something bad happens, it's never the way that anxiety predicted it would be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so this does open up for me, though, um, the, the, 
and I, I kind of want to hear your take on this, but like when we start to talk about it this way, as in like fear prediction versus like what's the outcome that we see, um, that to me, we start to move from exposure quotation to behavioral experiments. I mean, I feel like exposure is more I mean, they're pretty much the same, except for I feel like behavioral experiments is explicitly stating the cognitive piece of it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just feel like at least the way that I do it, um, I am always going to, when I'm doing an exposure, I'm always going to be having some pre, cognitive pre and cognitive posts. Like I'm going to, so like in advance. So when we talk about exposure, we are always just meaning ways of leaning into the fear. We are yeah, ways of facing, facing the fear the directly. What he's what saying with, uh, with what you're saying with a uh, behavioral experiment is really kind of being very explicit as to like, you know, getting this part involved of like, what is, what is anxiety predicting the outcome will be? What's an alternative, less believed possibility? What are kind of ways and steps you could take to explicit, explicitly face it um and what are what is the outcome to kind of really yeah. get this so much involved of like seeing that yeah pre and post yeah it's just exposures just all the time face it lean into it you know yeah it's not yeah. always and, just like well i i just think of it as yeah. it's yeah. more like the, what their beliefs are sure yeah it's, it's like the framing in my mind like the framing process of like in any case you are going to move towards something you're afraid of instead of away from it but um in my mind you there's there's a benefit to explicitly saying you are testing this prediction let's this is an experiment let's see what happens um versus kind of that brute force thing of like just do it 20 times and then it won't bother you as much like there's this benefit of like what if what is yeah what is your emotional brain predicting you know what's this kind of theory behind this and then going out and seeing what happens and then saying well what does that tell us what did you learn you how notice? accurate is, is that thought you know um and i kind of think of it on the you know we i'm, I'm sure we talked about it a ton of times but that idea of um anxiety overestimates the likelihood that yeah. things will go wrong and then it like basically catastrophizes how bad it would be if it does go wrong and i feel like when we're doing exposure right if we set it up with like hey these these things pretty much happen all the time with, with anxiety we will go test this out here's your prediction let's find out if the, it is overestimated the odds of it going wrong and if it does go wrong let's see if it's catastrophic or if it's like tolerable or doable yeah. yeah and i feel like framing beforehand and then especially doing the what did we learn afterwards i feel i feel like at least in my style i feel like that makes it like a deeper um yeah like a sort of a, a deeper change process yeah. sure yeah yeah that makes I mean, sense but but I feel like like 
I feel like you do that anyway with exposure. Well, yes, I do a lot of like, yeah, what are you afraid of? Why? What's the feared outcome? Getting really explicit with that. Then let's find doable ways of leaning into it, of facing it, of creating exposure. And then the afterwards more of like, what did you notice? What, what actually happened? What did you feel emotionally? What did you feel physically? What kind of thoughts came? Like, yeah. what did you notice? So yes, it's probably not as explicit. Yeah. But, but it's still, it's still doing that same well, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it, for me, there's always, um, you're doing the exposure, you are facing it and it is that expectancy difference that we're looking for. Um, but there's always like, yeah, the overestimating or catastrophizing bias beforehand, all kinds of lessons that you can learn afterwards because you, you're actually getting new information from facing something. Yeah, so when I'm doing it, I'm thinking like either that cognitive, like we're testing out on a cognitive level of like, oh, is it overestimating? Is it catastrophizing? And by facing the situation that you haven't faced before, there's all kinds of new information coming in that can tell you all, oh, I didn't realize this. I wouldn't have expected that. You're actually facing the real thing. So you were getting like really information for the first time. Um, and like some of that is unpredictable. And sure. I, cover, I like that. I just think though, the biggest thing, I think all this cognitive stuff obviously is important and but I think what people are wanting often is that like, right, the the feeling, I want this to feel different and yeah. that people see such a experience, such a difference and how they feel once they're doing exposure. Yeah. That they're like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cognitive stuff is like great. And, but they, I feel like they want that emotional piece and maybe like cognitive enhances that or deepens. Yeah. That's, that's what I think. Yeah. What's the feeling change you're talking about? I mean, we have talked about this before, obviously, but I mean, so yeah, feelings of like reduced anxiety, but also, right, like that pride piece. Totally. Right, of, yeah. Like before being cowering in front of a threat or feeling yeah. helpless Sub- or hopeless. Yeah, submissive, dominated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in doing it and, and like proud, right, like this thing that has had so much power over me for so long, like I'm actually able to face it. Um, and yeah, a lot of people describe like, maybe not right away, but like a, a more like sense of calm, like that I have more confidence in being able to do things. So it feels yeah. less overall, right? Anxious. Yeah. And like, there are all these things that I haven't been doing in so long and created such a big emotional response. And now yeah. I feel like I have the ability to cope better or to face things more easily. Yeah, sure. which is like a sort of a self-efficacy thing, right? It's like personal power. Like I think that that pride, the feeling pride part, like and I know we talk about it, but I don't hear people talking about it, but it's what I hear people that we work with talking yeah, about. Yeah, you mean, yeah, you don't hear about it in like the literature. Yeah, I, I don't see it written about in the studies, yeah. But yeah, I think that is a huge piece, right? When you're moving from like, because we always talk about anxiety as a bully, Mm-hmm. And that piece of like when you're facing a bully, right, and you like conquered it or it, you didn't let it beat you, like, yeah, there is this feeling of like pride. Yeah. Like, I am tough. I did this thing. Totally. So, I, so, like, running from for so long. 
right? That feels, and generally because it has been a long time. And so doing it, man, it's, it feels good. It feels like you, there's a self-esteem that comes with like, oh, I am acting in accordance with my sort of yes. more, my like true self. Yes. Rather Ooh, than cowering. That, and that feels really, really good. And this is on top of the, doesn't happen every time, but the habituation kind of idea of like you face, you do exposure enough times and up kind of plateaus and eventually starts to come down yeah the anxiety itself comes comes down and so you can even though anxiety is with exposure this is i think something people probably we should mention if they need to know (laughs) that we avoid the our triggers for anxiety because it feels bad but in exposure you are temporarily yeah escalating your own anxiety by facing something Mm -hmm. knowing that over the long term you are most likely going to have less anxiety. Yes. Either from like direct habituation mm-hmm. or from being able to tolerate that, dis- increase your distress tolerance where like you can tolerate distress way better than you previously could or thought that you were able to. Totally. Yeah. There's, there's one, I remember telling you about this years ago. I remember this, there was one paper I read where the person's theory um, was that basically all exposure was about distress tolerance implicitly learning that you can handle mm-hmm. that feeling of anxiety and those unpleasant feelings that so, i mean sort of a, the idea that across the board anxiety people with anxiety disorders are having trouble tolerating the distress mm-hmm. and if you go purposely take it on like really welcome it in knowing that you are heading in a good direction you're doing this on purpose then as well as yeah that habituation part and just like knowing that it doesn't bother you or you mm-hmm. can survive it. You can, you, cope. Can, you can cope, you can handle it. I think like the distress tolerance, to me that's two things, the stress tolerance of the sensation of anxiety, but also like the, I mean, this might be me, me thinking of social anxiety stuff, but the distress tolerance of coping with um, the non-catastrophic negative outcomes. Mm-hmm. Right, so this is sure. may, maybe more of a, because like if you're afraid of dogs, you're like, oh, I got bitten by a dog. It wasn't that bad. I mean, that's probably not what we're. But panic attacks, right? You get to see. Yeah, panic definitely. Yeah, experience look. Experience this extreme physical discomfort, and it didn't kill me, which or I didn't go crazy or whatever the prediction was. Like I mm-hmm. could, I could cope with it. It, True, it yeah. wasn't. I, I think OCD too. Like, well, this is kind of gross. It's kind of uncomfortable. I don't like it, but the cost isn't catastrophic. Yeah. And and like in social anxiety, right? Getting a negative response from somebody. It's generally neutral, nice, being laughed at. Is short lived, you know. Even when I first talk about like a lot with GAD, like worry stuff, and we just will do a way of leaning into it. Of like, okay, what is what is the fear? What's the worst case scenario that it's predicting? Now let's say it actually happened, facing mm-hmm. the fear. What would you do? How would you cope? How would you get through it? Is all those are always the questions I'm asking because it is that piece of like, yeah, it sounds like it'd be awful. It sounds like it would really suck. But like, let's sit here a moment and beyond the just like, oh no, okay, let's say it happens. Mm-hmm. Now what is working on that like distress tolerance? Like, if it happens, what next? Yeah. Like, yeah. How you, how, how yeah. would you tolerate this? What mm-hmm. would you do? And and like how bad exactly 
would it be? And I think, yeah, doing the, the cognitive is useful, but on a feeling level, I yeah. think that actually facing it and going, well, that happened. I, sh- I thought I'd feel mm-hmm. terrible for a long time, but it was like not awful. Nothing mm-hmm. super bad happened. And I kind of just felt bad for a bit of time and then it went away. Mm-hmm. That feels really different. And that's, I think, yeah. especially in like social social anxiety because the, the exposures themselves are so short-lived versus like, I don't know, spider thing. You can sit and stare at it for three hours. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, whereas like a, a social exposure is quick. You know, it's it's probably over fairly quickly unless it's like a big speech or something. But... Yeah, or if you're like going to a party or a get-together or a dinner and have to like be there for a while. Yeah, so some of those can be longer, but but a lot of them are these sort of short interactions with people. And if it goes badly, it tends to not go badly for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. It tends to go badly even if you're over pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I think those that social cost kind of piece of it, like, oh, yeah, uh, the person was like non-responsive, but they didn't yell. Yeah. And, there wasn't like a, some disgust the whole crowd didn't turn and point and laugh it wasn't that negative of an outcome and the internal negatives of like oh no i'm gonna feel this way how long does that last how bad is it yeah, yeah. exactly so what are some of your like favorite exposures that you have done with clients or that you have done with yourself have you used exposure because we I as mean, humans right all face yeah fears. yeah i mean i try to do it i try to do it regularly if i can you know like try to think of things and sort of push myself in certain ways um as you know and then i mean with other people as often as i can i mean i don't know it's it's kind of i kind of like it's sort of the, the creative aspect of finding out what once you've identified the fear and the feared outcome, how can we start to test this? And how can we start to face it in these little ways? So you kind of seek it out? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Chase it so it can't chase you. I I think I'm much more reactive when I notice like, oh, this thing that I wasn't previously scaring me or I didn't know, you know, was anxiety or whatever. um, Oh, Oh, hey, phew, like there's something I can do about this. I'm thinking of like, obviously like shark phobia. I developed a fear of sharks way before I knew anything about psychology or exposure work. Um, but so I've used a lot with that. Um, yeah. With insomnia, like anxiety around sleep, like that developed. And it took me a while to realize like, oh, this is anxiety about sleep. I, there's something I can do about it. I have a new one. Oh, yeah. Developed in the past like year or so, two years. It kind of goes, it's like a morphed shark one. Um, Uh I have a fear lately of flying over water. Oh, okay. And we just went to Hawaii like last month. Uh And I did have a lot of like, oh, I'm going to be like flying over water for a long period of time. Which, right, when you start like engaging this, like if you're crashing over land. Yeah. If you're crashing over water, probably not a great outcome. Probably fairly equivalent. Which is helpful, right, starting to like to it yeah gives me a little perspective um but yeah i had to do i mean obviously i did it yeah i knew knew it was gonna 
it was going to be okay. Um, but definitely, yeah, it was, it was a new one that I'm like, okay, well, new thing to work on so, facing. Okay. So, so that was interesting, right? So that's the, the fear is, I, the plane will crash and I'll be in water and then there'll be like sharks or creatures in there. Or like drown, right? It's morphed from like sharks specifically to more just yeah, like okay. water and unknown things. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that's the fear, right? And then you did exposure of not getting in the water and seeing if creatures yes. get you, but yes. of flying over yes. it. So this is one where if we were looking at, well, if the exposure worked for you, like if your distress came down over time or whatever, it's not because you're, I mean, I mean, because the likelihood, really yeah. likelihood was low, not because the catastrophe was totally. Doing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's on the cognitive level. It's, it's a likelihood shift. You're like, Oh, okay. I've been flying for a long time. Nothing's happened. It feels less likely that it would happen. Mm -hmm. Not that you got in the water and Oh, this isn't so bad. We crash. I'm in the water. In the oh, water. I'm okay. So it probably would be pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad. And there are plenty of exposures, right? Where, oh where yeah, we, but you don't actually do the thing. Yeah, we're designing stuff because we're like, well, some things legitimately are. Yeah, like dying, right? Fears of die. I can't make you die. Yeah. Can, like, you know, imaginal exposure toward it, but I can't actually like do an in vivo. Yeah. Exposure. So imaginal. Imaginal right? exposure is an interesting idea. Yeah. So just in the same way, like, well, all anxiety exists in your imagination, right? Because it's all predicted. Mm -hmm. Like, what if this happens? Yeah. What if that happens? And the it's, it's, it's not images in the head for the most part, right? Yeah. It's not actually this is in front of you at the time. Happening. Yeah. Yes. Um, so just in that, like, anxiety kind of exists in the imagination, you can mm -hmm. face the fear in imagination. And so, yeah, I mean, there's lots of different ways of doing it. Um, but one I often do is I'll have somebody say a sentence or write a paragraph of like what the feared situation is or, you know, even like, yeah, feared intrusive thought or what have you. Mm -hmm. And then we'll have them say it over and over or write it over and over, have the image of it um, and face it. And I have to them do it, you know, for a good amount time five minutes like five minutes every day for a week yeah. or two yeah and that and that's sort of doing exposure of the thought or the feeling or the idea and so it's not necessarily the oh it didn't come true in real life it's more like i was able to handle it it didn't bother me i sort of got used to it mm -hmm. i kind of got bored by it like that's one mm -hmm. of the models of exposure is this idea yeah of, it takes this idea that your brain kind of codes is super important, starts to reduce. Yeah, it gets used to it, it gets bored of it. Like, like we, we sort of use that example of watching a horror movie 10 times. It's just, you, it gives you a chance, your brain a chance to get bored of the stimulus. Sure. Yeah. So Cause yeah, I always talk with clients like, you know, there are tons of horrible thoughts or scary thoughts, mm -hmm. but they are not occupying so much of your time because you haven't coded them as like, yes, super interesting. So it could be the thought of like, oh my, I have no idea. Car tires are going to all blow out at the same time when I'm driving, right? That's mm -hmm. a terrible thought, but that thought doesn't really like bother you a ton because your brain hasn't like coded it as important. Whereas this thought oh. that's super important and wants your attention all the time, 
And so taking that's a very metacognitive approach, doing which I appreciate exposure <laughs> to the yes, the well, practice I, that starts to reduce how important and therefore how yeah. much attention grabbing it is. That's that's actually that reminds me. I do sometimes do instead of like a cognitive approach with the framing of an exposure, doing a metacognitive approach in the how framing so? of things, meaning like what does this tell us about how important these thoughts mm. are rather than like, is it true or not mm. to make you calm down? But in general, like, well, how important are these thoughts that you get from the anxious part of your brain? How seriously should we take them? Should you engage with it and think about it and analyze it and plan around it? Or have we seen it happen enough times in the past to know, Oh, it's just this general kind of exaggerated part of you that's trying to protect you from stuff. So on a metacognitive level, like you can you can make that part of the exposure I, process. Yeah, I do that all the time. Or I'm like, um, you know, the goal is to be able to, yeah, kind of let thoughts go by, but this one's kind of gets stuck. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah. Should we treat that one thoughts. as being super important and super mm -hmm. accurate? Is there some reason to think that oh, this is the important thought? This is the one that really tells us what's going on. And yeah, the, doing the exposure can be a way of you know, getting at that metacognitive belief. Mm -hmm. um, other ways you do exposures, right? Like panic attacks, I always do interceptive exposures or kind of physiological. Yeah, bringing exposure. on all the physiological feelings of anxiety as a way of kind of showing yourself one. Yeah, you don't pass out. Mm -hmm. You don't. You don't. Die, die you survive it's you can tolerate the feeling the feeling is uncomfortable but not dangerous mm -hmm. yeah um social anxiety it's a lot of facing social basically showing risking showing some kind of flawed piece of the self mm -hmm. and discovering how noticeable it is how much people care how critical they are how rejecting they are and whether you can tolerate that i have a very complicated model that i will not get into <laughs> today but doing that kind of process yeah yeah and or like fear of yeah you can do a lot of ocd exposures around like contamination or how dangerous a thought is yes oh yes right even i think like um you can do like in vivo exposures for harm ocd right we do that all the time like mm -hmm. um like i'll have a client like have a knife in our session or something like that um but you also can do right? Like a lot of imaginal exposure for that piece too. Yeah. Um, because yeah, there might not be something. So the hard thing is like sometimes with exposure, right? Like other people might not want to go along with the exposure, right? If they don't know much about exposure therapy. So it can be hard to do everything in vivo, like in real life. So yeah, uh -huh. exposure can be super helpful for that. Like let's just in our head, write a story, write mm -hmm. a script. So this actually does come true. Let's yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, and, and there's some stuff that you can't do real life exposures to just logistically. Sure, like flying, like, right? You might not be able death. to fly every single day. Totally. <laughs> you mean your own death, at least. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, That'd yeah. Be a hard sell. That's hard. Yeah. Although I love doing some for death because we're always I'm always like, okay, let's start with like the cognitive piece. Like, okay, the fear is like you die, uh huh. And then I always pull up. I'm like, 
what would you do and how would you cope and how would you feel? And most of my clients are like, well, nothing, I'm dead. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> like, I guess like when it's more of like the building up to death than it is actually like being dead. I'm like, okay, good yeah. to know. Yeah, yeah. Start like teasing it apart. <laughs> yeah. Death is the, the like dying, not the like yeah. death part so much. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. The process or or the what you're missing out on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but there's there's I will say so exposure is it's in the running for if not the biggest discovery of clinical psychology right and therapy treatment it is like a superstar in its ability to um to to help people overcome anxiety disorders yeah i will say i think i actually like went into this field because I, I worked with doing like some domestic violence work and things before this. And um, that is making change is slow and there's a lot of backtracking and it sometimes can feel like you're not really, you know, moving the marker much. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, I did a practicum at UT with uh, Diana Damer and seeing like, oh my gosh, like people can really improve significantly and not in fairly, a, take yeah fairly quickly fairly quickly yeah so encouraging and just like made me feel like so excited to be part of the process and yeah because it really it really works it works and it's it's a the struggle of course is that it's scary. very hard work and it's scary mm-hmm. very scary for people to do like the outcome is worth it you know if you're us and you've seen the outcome happen hundreds of times the outcome's worth it, but it takes a lot of courage. Yeah. It takes this belief, um, um, hope, and courage to do it. But the outcomes are really stunning, like yes. on multiple, multiple levels. Like it just yes. it, cha- it changes lives. It's great. I know, and I think that is the hard thing. I do think sometimes we, as exposure therapists, get a little habituated to the pain yeah. of exposure because yeah. I'm always like, "Well, yeah, let's do this," and I. You know, then I'll have like a new client who's like, well, pump the brakes. Yeah. That's <laughs> what terrifying. I, I, came, I came to you to make me less anxious. Yes. So. I mean, and, and again, that's why I think it's it's beneficial for us to do our own exposures whenever we can. Because sure. it, it is very helpful in reminding, oh, yeah, it's torture. That's right. It's torture that has a wonderful outcome. Mm-hmm. But it's torture. Well, I yeah. may have already said this anecdote on this podcast before even but I was at like an OCD conference a few years ago right where they had us write down like somebody you love or someone who's very dear to you and then you had to write like I hope they die like a horrific and painful death in the next week and there were exposure therapists in this conference who wouldn't do it which is that that, flabbergasting right like I mean it except that on a human level it makes total sense but not on, on, a, on a psychologist level, it doesn't make sense. But on a sense. on a human anyway, level, of course. Obviously, yeah. like it was a huge. I had yeah, all these, you know, it was It felt awful, and then I forgot about it like the next day, and then I saw it was on my phone. It was like like weeks, months later, I saw it was on my phone. It was like, oh geez, I was uh, like, <laughs> nobody finds my phone. <laughs> like, yeah. um, and that is also a big reason why with clients, I always. I try to work very collaboratively and do exposures, do the very thing with them. Do it with them. Yeah. That really helps. Like a lot of times I'll do it first. So they get a yeah, little, it's a little bit of observational 
stuff if, yeah. if it makes sense in the context. Like the modeling, yeah. yes. Um, yeah. Always like with interceptive exposures. I think that's a big one, right? To see like, to say like, yeah, my heart is racing right now too after we jogged in place for a minute or, or I hate the one where you breathe through the cocktail straw. I hate it. Oh, huh. okay. Um, yeah. So like doing that and saying like, yeah, this one's really tough for me. I really don't like it. And, and modeling that and doing that with people, I think is right. like super helpful too. I, I, I like to, I like to do the social ones. I, I like to do it first as like a sort of observational learning before someone does it, which reminds me, I haven't put it out yet, but I did, um, I did an exposure video for, for our YouTube channel, Thomas Miniman, PhD, uh, oh, YouTube oh. channel where I got people to film me and I went around asking people really stupid questions. Yes. Like what? Like, uh, so, um, I was in New York city and there's this thing called the Oculus, which is this like big sort of famous thing. It's like, like world trade center thing. And I stood in front of that and asked people where the Oculus was. Classic. And then I, yeah. And then I like asked people, uh, I stood out in front of a Starbucks and asked them where the nearest coffee shop was. Mm. And then I, I went into Starbucks and asked a, a ton of stupid questions. I in love there. it. So, uh, I haven't put it out yet, uh, but I will, I will soon. So, and I have a couple of other exposures, like social anxiety exposures on the YouTube page of me, like smiling at everyone and saying hi to everyone as they walk past me and getting a whole host of reactions. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I love doing all this stuff. Yeah. I, then, I would be curious about that exposure, like regionally, like different parts of the country. Yeah. So I did it in Sydney. Um, and I did get a comment on there from somebody who said, try this in my area, exclamation point. <laughs> I'm like, with the assumption of, oh, like, people would not respond as nicely, <laughs> which may be true. And I would try it in yes, another area. Right? I'd be totally That's down that. to do that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, like, because you maybe the discomfort of people. Well, what was funny to me is I was thinking of how unfriendly strangers were in sydney compared to texas i go, go to texas everyone's respond everyone says hi to me i don't even have to say hi to them you don't have to yes i remember that moving from boston to austin that like yeah. my mother helped me move and like somebody even just in a gas station stopped us and was like chatting with us and she and i were like, <laughs> like what is this? yeah so i'm like i mean maybe there's places that are less friendly than sydney but yeah. that seemed yeah. to be the, the suggestion from that comment but but yeah i i'm gonna uh I'm going to record just because I'm sort of in the mood to do this. Uh, I'm enjoying doing exposures. So I am going to probably do like a series of like social anxiety exposures on that page. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. If you want to record any videos of you doing exposures, I'll put those up too. Okay. I don't do as much social anxiety. I do. No, it doesn't have to be social anxiety. It can be any, any exposure you want oh, to do. Oh, do my own? Yeah, if you, if you um, want to. For the OCD Texas, uh, the IOCDF, no, it was OCD Texas Awareness Week, like a couple weeks ago, uh-huh. we like took pictures of us holding, doing different things, and I was holding. They were fake cockroaches, but guess who uh-huh. killed cockroaches in our house now? There you go, huh? Nice work. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I could take a picture of me like sleeping on the airplane from Hawaii as I was like habituating to the flight um yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. The hard thing is a lot of my fear is like water based, which isn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'd have to put you in murky water and take a video of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but, okay. So we, I think it needs to kind of wrap it up yeah. around here, but what, uh, any sort of big takeaways or summaries for you of what um, people sh should remember according to you? I mean, I think like, right. I think doing a graduated exposure is so helpful, right? Like yeah. I know you and I differ as to where we think a starting point is for people to do exposure. <laughs> One of us uh -huh. is a little nicer than the other. Uh -huh. Um, I'm just always think of people's like actual willingness and follow through and that you have to do it a whole bunch of times to get sure. good habituation. So I think I usually have a smaller starting point than you. Um, but yes, that like doable steps, right? Like take steps yeah. towards it and it doesn't have to be jumping into the deep end, like any, any steps toward it counts. Yeah. That, that makes sense. So just, just movement towards the mm -hmm. thing that makes you anxious. If you mm -hmm. keep doing that over time, it's going to get better. Yes. And a good worse. exposure, yeah, is something that makes you anxious. It doesn't count if, if you're not anxious. That's not yeah. exposure. Yeah. You don't have to be super, don't super terrified, anxious. But, but if, if your anxiety it's says, don't do this, gross. and you do it anyway, mm -hmm. then yeah. that counts as an exposure. Mm -hmm. And can you sort of think of it like a point scoring system? Do it a bunch of times, small ones a bunch of times. You still get a lot of points that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, doable steps. How about yourself? Yeah. What's your? What's I mean, your I, I, I think my takeaway is yeah, it's there's thinking about what that feared outcome is, and then as you move towards it, take note of like what actually happens and what that tells you about whether it's really dangerous or whether you really can't handle it, and uh, and it, these are ways of being skeptical of your anxiety, which will make your anxiety less powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and just and remembering, hey, this is hard, hard work. It it's, takes, it's not how our brains are built. We are built to avoid. Yeah. We are built to yeah. run away to see another day, right? Like yeah. this is so opposite of how we're built to giving yeah. yourself some, some compassion and so kindness for even being willing to do it. Compassion and kindness for being willing to do it at all. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of courage. Be very proud mm -hmm. of yourself for doing it. And I'm reminded of like something that one of my people I worked with said at the end, which was like. Um, I can't remember the, like the details. I wish I'd kind of written it down, but it was something along the lines of how facing your fears is like the most exhilarating and best part of life, mm -hmm. which I like, I, I agree with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's like something that's really meaningful about doing it, even if it's in smaller ways over time. Yes. I tell my daughter, bravery is not the absence of fear. It's doing things even when they're scary. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, thanks for checking us out. Yeah. And uh, I guess uh, rate us and review us and subscribe and tell your friends like. and send us messages. Uh, yeah. Keep them coming. Um, yeah. You, you can be found somewhere. Uh, Marianne at anxietyaustin.com. <laughs> and you can find, find me, uh, thomasmithyman.com, which is my name. The, the YouTube is Thomas Williamson, PhD, YouTube page, I think. Uh, do a search for that. And then if you want to email me, I'm um, just doctor, like dr at thomaswithman.com. And I am, uh, I have some small availability mm. for people in Texas, New York, or internationally who want to do 
some treatment and are potentially interested in exposure therapy. Yes, I'm yeah. only licensed in Texas, so can only take only take you Longhorns. Um, <laughs> yeah, but from, from what I understand, you have no room anyway. You know, you just just a it's busy. an anxious time. It's an anxious time. <laughs> um, well, thanks for checking us out, and yeah. yeah, we'll have another great topic next time. Yeah. Okay. See you Bye -bye. later.